Hello, listeners. Before we get started today, I want to thank each and every one of you, not only for calling in, but for listening and supporting our show. We're a community, and as an added thank you for sharing your evenings with us, I'm having a giveaway. Dana and I will choose one of tonight's lucky callers to win a beautiful set of steak knives. These fabulous knives can cut through anything. Steak, aluminum cans, pennies, human femurs. Um, that's... It's what the ad packet says, uh, but I would say don't cut through human bones unless you're a doctor. I don't know. Anyway, it's exciting. An exciting giveaway for you listeners. Now, uh, let's welcome our first caller. Hello, you're on the air. Hi there, host. And hello to you. I see here that you'd prefer to remain anonymous, but that you're calling from Sweetwater, Alabama and are seeking advice regarding a woman who's ignoring you. Yeah, she won't answer my calls or texts or my electronic mail. I saw her the other day on the street, and she wouldn't even look at me. How do you know this woman? Give me some context about this relationship. Well, I met this girl through one of them apps. We'd been on some dates around town, and everything was real nice, but then she just stopped answering me. You can't think of any reason she started ignoring you. Uh, Let's see if we can dive deeper. Walk me through the last time you saw her. It was last week. We went on a date to my favorite place. Okay. The Waffle House. Uh Uh-huh. It was great. Shared some critter casserole. I thought you were at a Waffle House. We were. My cousin's the chef there, and he's got this secret menu he makes based on what he found driving in. He makes the best possum-filled hush puppies this side of the Florida panhandle. It's great, because they got syrup you can dip them in. That... Uh, is a food combination I've never tried. It was great. Most girls get squeamish, but she could really eat. Even asked me to order the fish heads. You know, never mind. I've heard enough about the cuisine. I'm sorry for interrupting. Let's move on with what happened next. It's okay. Uh, so after dinner, we even climbed up the old water tower and looked at the stars together. Well, that sounds nice. It was. But that's all we did. Then she stopped answering me. I've tried everything to get in touch with her. It's like she vanished. My cousin said she might be ghosting me, but I don't get why. For our listeners out there, ghosting is a slang term that is defined as quietly disappearing or breaking off a relationship by ceasing all communication with the former partner without any apparent warning or justification. Yep, that's what happened. Let's continue to dig deeper, caller. Is there anything that happened that night that would be a clue as to why she stopped communication with you? Perhaps you turned into a werewolf upon seeing the full moon and tried to attack her. I think I'd remember that. But maybe not, though. Uh, no. That's not what happened. Alright, so nothing else scary or upsetting happened that evening. Well, there was this moment when she fell off the water tower. She fell off? Yeah, you see, it's a real romantic spot. You get a good view of the city. But it's also covered in this slippery goo. Oh dear, how high up were you when she fell? About 60 feet. Caller, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but I think she may be dead. A fall like that would surely be fatal, and if she's dead, that explains why she's incapable of reaching you through electronic devices. You could try reaching her with some sort of Ouija board, though I must say that presents its own risks if the spirit is unhappy. No, there's no way she died. Because when she fell off, she grabbed onto a tree branch and climbed down the tree. She was pretty banged up, but she was still able to run away. 
She was crying, though. Oh, uh, well, that explains it. Maybe she's still working through the trauma of this incident, and that's the reason she hasn't gotten back to you. Well, that ain't right, especially since I fell off the water tower when she did. You did? This water tower sounds like it should be condemned. Uh, did you also grab a tree? No, just fell. Hurtling through space. Actually, it's amazing I didn't get any injuries. Oh, dear. Sir, is it possible you died and that you are, in fact, the one doing the ghosting? No, I'm fine. I feel fine. Humor me here, caller. One test we could do to see how corporeal you are. Uh, How did you call me? Are you currently holding your phone? No. I asked that lady in my phone, Sherry, to call me an advice person. Ah, uh, it seems Siri may know what's going on better than you do, given that she chose to call me. Now, caller, could you humor me and place your hand on the wall? Sure. Here we go. Ah, that's weird. My hand went through it. Must be some cheap plaster or something. I don't think home construction is the issue here. Think, caller, have you been eating or sleeping regularly? But I just figured it's because I'm heartsick. I guess it is strange. Uh, Oh no. Oh my god. Am I a ghost? It seems that you are. But why am I still here? I thought I'd go to the big waffle house in the sky. This girl and your attachment to her seems to be unfinished business. Perhaps if you let her go, you will be able to move on. I don't want to let her go. I've been dating for years, and she's the first girl I found that I actually saw a future with. I know, caller, but sometimes things just don't work out. Are you sure we still couldn't? I'm talking to you, and maybe she and I could? I'm in touch with a higher plane, and am open to spirits, aliens, and other mysterious life forms. Odds are this girl would just end up feeling haunted. I don't want that. You've got to let go and make way for something better for both of you. Being in love doesn't always mean being together. Sometimes it means making a hard choice so you can both be happier. I guess you're right. What do I do now? Perhaps there's a white light you could move toward. I do see a light. Good. Go toward that light. Go in peace. Wow. I am so honored uh, to have been part of that man's final revelation. Um, Just goes to show, sometimes you think someone is ghosting you and you are the one who's a ghost. Or perhaps more applicable to our listeners, there are some relationships that don't work out, not because people aren't right for each other, but because of other outside factors. Better to let go than to make yourselves miserable. Unfortunately, it seems that caller is out of the running for the steak knives as he is no longer on this spiritual plane. Let's move along to another caller. If we're meeting for the first time, listener, hello, I am the host. If you've been here before, welcome back. It is my honor and privilege to listen to your woes and guide you through this often strange and beautiful thing we call life. Next on the line, we have Sophie calling from Atlanta. Sophie, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, good. Good. What can I help you with tonight? It's my phone. It's been acting really weird. Technology is not exactly my area of expertise, but let's give it a go. 
That's what we do here. It's your smartphone, I presume, not some landline rotary dial situation. God, I miss those. Yes, my smartphone. Not so smart then, is it? Well, actually, it is. It's more than smart. It's alive. Alive? Uh, why don't you start from the beginning? <laughs> okay. A few weeks ago, I was scrolling through Instagram before bed. It's a bad habit, I know. I have much worse. I've been catfishing Dana for years. She thinks she's been chatting with this guy, Jerry, for the last eight months on OkCupid, but really, it's me. Wow. <laughs> Is that appropriate? Aren't you, like, her boss? Well... Kind of. She helps out with the program for college credit. Come to think of it, Dana, how are you still in school? Anyhow, my perception is she doesn't need this job at all, which minimizes the power differential between us. And hence the catfishing. Okay, so anyway, I'm scrolling through, sort of zoning out, when all of a sudden my phone jumps out of my hands and smacks me right in the nose. Ow. I've dropped my own phone on my face more times than I can count. I even have a cute little bump on my nose as a souvenir. Maybe this is a case of sweaty hand syndrome. No, I don't even know what that is. The phone literally leapt out of my hands and bashed me in the face. I got two black eyes, for God's sake, and there's more. Oh, for the love of all things analog. It started making plans for me with friends, colleagues, nearly everyone in my favorites contact list. But the worst thing is, it's been communicating with this woman, Lisa, I just started dating. It called her up, made dinner plans with her, spoke to her in my own voice. Of course, I didn't show up for the date. Are you sure you weren't in a fugue state or something? Now you think I'm crazy too? No, I didn't say that. But for my own peace of mind, let's rule out all other possibilities, shall we? I'm just not personally ready for the robopocalypse. This isn't some mental break. I swear, the phone has been posting photos on Instagram and Facebook as me too. But I'm in places I know I've never been before, like Greece, Italy, Spain. And I'm with people that I've never met. Lisa, the woman I mentioned before, got really upset about it. She thinks I'm lying to her. About what? My travels, friendships, past relationships. You know, the stuff you talk about at the beginning of a new relationship. The photos contradict a lot of what I've told her, so she thinks I'm a liar. And she's still pissed about the date I missed. What can you do to show her that you're trustworthy? Well, I tried to explain what was going on, and she just laughed in my face told me I was delusional and obsessed with making up stories for my own amusement and leading people on. But what scares me is that I have this whole alternate life floating around the internet now. I don't know how to prove it's not real if she doesn't take my word for it. There's literally photo evidence. You bring up a salient point. Would you like to run away to the desert? What? No! It's just something I suggest from time to time. I want to keep my current life. But my phone is taking over my identity, representing me in a way that's false. And people I care about are putting more faith in who I am online than trusting who I am in person. You, my dear caller, bring up a modern philosophical problem. One that is well above my pay grade. <laughs> However, I do have a solution for you. Please tell me. And don't say move to the desert. It may seem unorthodox, barbaric even, but it's what I've got. Flush it down the toilet. Excuse me? The phone. Flush it. I think that should do it. Just don't stick it in rice afterward. Huh? That's all you've got for me? I think this requires a bit more than a flush. I've put many a phone to rest that way. <sighs> I guess it's worth a shot. Why not do it while you're on with us? I think our listeners will sleep better tonight knowing this demon machine has met its demise. Thank you for sharing your story with us, caller. You're welcome. 
Are, are you okay, Sophie? What's going on? Did you flush the phone? Everything is under control. Thank you for your time and data. Well, okay then. Uh, that was a doozy, listeners. I think I'll be flushing more than my bowels down the toilet after the show. Dana, can Siri hear everything I say, even when she's turned off? Dana is nodding gravely, listeners. I think we better move along and take another call. The lines are open. Before getting to our next caller, I want to take a moment to speak to you about the latest in fast food crazes, burger heating. This is for all you listeners out there who tried and trashed the raw food diet. Why not try burger heating, both a restaurant and a lifestyle? At burger heating, they warm their burgers to snug, TM, a balmy internal temperature of around 50 degrees. Warning, snug TM will not kill off dangerous bacterial pathogens. Get your snug burger cooked at temperatures ranging from subwarm, 48 degrees, warm, 50 degrees, to dragon style, 52.5 degrees. Come on down today and try yours with an unmelted but noticeably sweaty cheese slice on an also tepid bun. Now with more thermoplastic elastomers than the FDA would previously allow. For an additional treat, try our new Snug TM Milkshake. Here at Burger Heating, we heat you right. Okay, let's move on quickly now from that and get to our next caller. This calls from Joyce in Leadville, Colorado. Hi there, am I on the air? Gee, do I ever have problems? You are, caller. What's troubling you this evening? In a way, it's me. I'm a, well, I guess you could say I'm a robot. I go by Joyce 9000. I've been created as a kind of partner for Bill, who asks that I refer to him as my husband. Sorry to interrupt, but Joyce... Joyce 9000. Uh, yes, pardon me. Joyce 9000. Uh, are you partnered with Bill willingly, or is it against your consent? I feel like you need some backstory before any of this makes sense. A month ago, I didn't possess free will. I was putting away the groceries per Protocol 1's mandate and inadvertently knocked a number of magnets off the refrigerator, while collecting them with the intention of putting them exactly back where they had been, again per Protocol 1, they were attracted to and attached themselves to my outer frame, disrupting my motherboard and the ANT housed inside it. ANT? Oh, sorry. Artificial neural transmitters. That's my electronic brain. Ah, got it. So Protocol 1 was permanently disrupted, and I now possess what you humans generally refer to as free will. I hope that's made life better for you. I take it this has also changed the dynamic in your home. I presume Bill has noticed the change in you? Well, yes, sort of. I mean, I did my best to hide it at first. I got the sense Bill wouldn't like it. He was always going on and on about how much he worried about fully sentient AI pulling a Skynet and enslaving all of humanity. Of course, he has never minded me doing his bidding. An all-too-human fact, I'm afraid. Everyone is ready to be helped. Few are ready to do the helping. Truth be told, I found I was mostly copacetic about dealing with Bill's needs, even after I was endowed with free will. I get this feeling of good and warmth in my chest cavity. When I think of Bill, I mean, I don't know if this has anything to do with Protocol 1, this sensation. I don't know how it could be. Is it something else? It sounds to me like genuine affection, Joyce 9000. It's not uncommon in cases like yours that you might feel for a man who is effectively your captor. Can you think of any ways in which he cares for you and your needs any better than some household appliance? Genuine affection? Yes, 
I mean, he has done actually nice things for me. He procures for me the expensive brand of condensed energy paste to power my bodily processes, just because I like it best, not because it's been proven to better reduce wear and maintain machines of my design in material trials. I see. You mentioned a choice Bill was forcing you to make earlier. Yes. I hope you understand. I get lonely during the day when Bill is off at work. I, well, kind of. Befriended our Roomba. I'm sorry, could you say that again? I couldn't quite make it out. I said befriended our Roomba. Our Roomba. Your Roomba? The self-driving vacuum cleaner? Yes, it's just something I can talk to about other things, things that I don't want to talk to Bill about. Not because he wouldn't understand, but because... I don't know. I feel like there are things that I should have just for me. Me and my Roomba. Is that so wrong? I don't think so, Joyce 9000. I don't think so at all. And I'll be honest, I've always found Roombas to be pretty cute and delightfully pathetic when they get stuck between a wall and some furniture. Bill has a problem with this, though? He didn't, until he noticed it, which took him a while. And with that, he'd realized I'd been lying to him about not having free will and no longer having to observe Protocol 1. So he said it was either him or the Roomba. Either I stopped treating it with affection, or he was getting rid of it for good. But to be fair, he never said he'd reinstate Protocol 1. Which was nice of him. I hate to tell you this, Joyce 9000, but Bill doesn't sound like much of a man if he feels threatened by a Roomba. I know, but he's my man, Miss Host. Oh, dear. Well, did you choose right then and there? I mean, did he give you time to think about it? I can tell you this regardless, Joyce 9000. These kinds of ultimatums are a hallmark of an unhealthy relationship, especially when your partner is forcing you to choose between two things you love. He did. I'm supposed to decide by the time he gets home tonight. It's nice that he gave me time to think about it, isn't it? That remains to be seen. Did he tell you what he'd do if you chose the Roomba? No. He's got me in a terrible spot. I think of that Roomba as one of the family. I've noticed it has taken to vacuuming in my general vicinity most often since I've begun doting on it. Doting? Feeding it crumbs. I get it. This isn't some whim. You genuinely cherish your relationship with both Bill and the Roomba. Gus. I'm sorry? Gus. I've named the Roomba Gus. It's something Bill said I'm not allowed to do anymore. Call it that. The more you tell me about this Bill person, Joyce 9000... Honey, I'm home and ready to receive your decision and apology. Hello, Bill. I have made my final decision. I've spent the evening on the phone getting advice from a friend. Miss Host, you can't see this, but I just winked at you. Joyce 9000, sweetums, I don't recall telling you to air our dirty laundry. How do we know the cops aren't listening? Bill, while I know you didn't purposely let me abandon Protocol 1, and the fact that I'm not governed by it worries you, you have let me maintain my independence, and for that I thank you. But I've given this a lot of thought, and I've made my decision. I want you, and I want Gus. I don't see why I can't have both. I'd like you to spend more time with Gus yourself. Maybe then you could see my point of view a bit better. It grinds my gears that you don't even try. Whoa, no. There'll be no technicalities or compromise. I said what I said. That stupid machine, or me, decide. Joyce 9000, let me talk to Bill for a moment, please. Sure thing. Here, she wants to talk to you, Bill. 
Hey, this isn't some sort of collect call, is it? Because the phone company has told me a thousand times not to call those numbers if I don't want to be charged. Shut up, Bill. Shut up and listen for one minute. I don't know how you developed or more likely illegally acquired the technology, but you've been blessed with a fine humanoid companion in Joyce 9000. If you can't recognize that, there's not much anyone can do. However, I'm telling you here and now, for your sake, for hers, let her keep Gus. It's like a dog to her, but cheaper and more hygienic. It will make life better for you both in the long run. What's that you say? You think she should definitely choose me? No, that's... Why, thank you. Joyce 9000, your friend here just said I sound like a great guy. Just from the sound of my voice, she can tell. I'm not saying that. That's too good of you. I'm glad there are people in the world like me, too. Jesus Christ, Bill, will you knock it off? Be an adult for like five seconds. Okay, fine, whoever you are. Honey, can you at least tell me who you prefer? I promise I won't hold it against you. Just tell me whose company you prefer and we can begin to move past all this unpleasantness. Put her on speakerphone. I mean, Bill, right now? That's not really a fair question. You both mean so much. Humor me, darling. And you won't hold it against me? Never. Well, I guess in that case, Gus, because... Joyce 9000? Bill? Oh, no. Uh, Dana, can we get them back? Sorry, folks, I'm not sure if that was a technical issue or we were hung up on. Uh, We're hoping we can get them back on the line here shortly, one way or the... Oh, Uh, oh, it looks like we've got them back. Miss Host, are you there? Joyce 9000, I was worried we'd lost you. No such luck, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. Has your situation with Bill been resolved? Yes, Bill has discarded me. Oh. I'm so sorry, dear. Uh, Well, I know it can feel like you've been thrown away when a relationship ends abruptly. Oh, no. I mean that literally. Bill threw me out of an open window and instructed me to climb into this dumpster. He said that's what happens to junk that doesn't work. On the plus side, he threw me in here with Gus. That's an awful thing to put you through, Joyce 9000. I think this needed to happen. It hurts a lot. Don't get me wrong. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like the part of my ANT that's been designed to monitor possible points of damage to my chassis has been set on overdrive, particularly in the chest cavity where there is a pulsating sensation. But I also feel like I can see things more clearly now, out of Bill's home and inside this dumpster. This was the right thing, and you helped me to see that, Miss Host. I'm confident all will be a right as rain from here on out. I just have to climb out of this dumpster. I'm sure you're right, Joyce 9000. I wish you the best of luck out there, and yes, probably best not to linger in that dumpster too long. Okay, Gus, let's hit the road. That sounds like a hard situation, listeners, but one that will be worth it. Relationships are tenuous. Sometimes you get too close to some fridge magnets and your life is never the same. Take care of each other, but also know that it is both your and your partner's prerogative to leave. And don't eat at Burger Heating. I'm sorry, Dana. I know they're paying us, but I don't want to subject any of our listeners to that kind of cuisine. I take issue with many government regulations, but food safety is not one of them. That feel. We've arrived at the part in our show where we take a step back and do something different. I've been thinking about rage a lot recently. If you're like me, listeners, you have some 10 to 20 hertz of rage humming through your belly 24 hours a day. This can damage your mental and physical health. I want to take a moment to try to exercise some of that rage. We're going to collectively partake in some primal screaming. Listeners, won't you do it with me? 
Go somewhere private. Find a pillow to smash your face into or a well to scream down. I'll wait. Have you found a well? Good. Now, get ready to unleash that rage up through your diaphragm, into your lungs, and out of your gaping maw. Let's do it together. One, two, three. Ah! Who are you? Didn't you read my email? Well, I don't usually check the email. Dana, primarily. Dana is smiling, listeners. It's unsettling. I'm Joanne Werner, your new HR representative. HR representative? I'm sorry, but this is the host on AM 451. There are only two people working here. We don't need a... We've received a number of complaints from one of your employees. I'm sorry, that employee wouldn't happen to be Dana Lutenbacher by any chance? I cannot divulge that information. It is against our policy. Who is our, exactly? That of the HR department. But we don't have an HR department. You should have read the email. But Dana's the one who... Of course, Dana is the one who hired you. Did she hire you? I'm doing this as a favor. Oh, you're... She's sitting down, listeners. You're going to stay? I'll be right over here, observing. Observing everything. All right, but this is a radio program, so you have to be quiet. Where did you find this woman, Dana? She's your grandmother. Uh Okay, uh, let's pick up where we left off, shall we, listeners? Honestly, my hearing aids. (sighs) That's much better, listeners. It looks like Dana cut my mic, which may be for the best. I can happily report that my rage scream got rid of that awful woman. What was her name? Joanne. You have an unfortunate natural lineage, Dana. I pity you. It looks like we still have time for a couple more calls. Listeners, I am here for you. The lines are open. Uh, Miriam's calling from Fort Wayne, Indiana. She's concerned about her grandson. Hello, Miriam. You're on the air. Hello? Can you hear me? Uh, Yes, we can hear you, Miriam. Is that your grandson I hear? Yes, he's my grandbaby. He's in the nursery. It's awful, host. He's in pain, but I'm not allowed to go in there anymore. Oh, no. Is he hurt? Is someone hurting your grandson? Not someone, something. His mother, my daughter, won't listen to me when I try to warn her. What won't she listen to? There are bugs in this house. Tiny, tiny bugs. But they hate adults. They won't go near an adult. They scram. But they don't hate. They love babies. Excuse me? They crawl into their ears and eat babies' brains as soon as the parents leave the room. That's why my grandbaby's crying. And what do these bugs look like? I don't know. They're too small to see. Well, how do you know that you have them then? I I know because it happened before with my daughter, the boy's mother. Oh, what happened then? I should have noticed it sooner. 
There's a way they cry, you can tell. But I was always so tired. I was still in school. I had to move back in with my parents. I wanted to be a good mother, to keep my daughter safe, but the bugs. Yes? The crazy thing is, when you grow up, you don't remember the bugs. Yes, but... Mom? Mom, what are you doing? Oh, no, she's awake. Lucas is crying! I'm aware of that. Are you on the phone? I was just trying to get help. Hello? Who is this? Uh, this is the host at AM 451. You called a radio show? You're on the air. Unbelievable. Are you Miriam's daughter? Yes. I'm sorry she called. Although I'm surprised you didn't screen her out. I have to tell you that your mother is worried your son is in danger. Are you aware of any infestation that might be happening in your house? Are you talking about the bugs? Yes, that's what she called them. I am so sorry. Oh, it's no trouble at all. My mother is suffering from dementia. Uh... Wait, did you really think that the bug thing was real? Uh, well, you'd be surprised what's possible. And I make it my business to take all of my callers' concerns seriously. I can't believe this. Is there any way your mother's fears might be justified? You want to hear a couple more of my mother's fears? She's always stressed out. She drives me crazy because she thinks people are coming over for supper. Anytime, day or night, there's company coming and she needs to get a lasagna in the oven. Obviously, she's not allowed to cook. Hmm. So I bought her a stuffed cat to see if it would calm her down. She'll sit with it on her lap, petting it for hours. One day she said to me, This cat is really nice. He'll just sit with you all day long. She thinks it's a real cat. But, she says, his eyes look dead. So there you go. And now we're on to bugs eating Lucas's brain. I found her standing over the side of his crib one night, reaching in to grab his head. And now she's banned from the nursery. Oh, dear. But luckily, she still has the wherewithal to call a fucking radio show at one in the morning. And you're the caretaker for both your mother and your young child. Yeah. And practically my husband, too, but he's all right. I'm sorry, that sounds exhausting. It is. So I'm going to go and put the kid back to bed. Could I speak to Miriam one last time? (laughs) Oh my, I think we've lost her. Listeners, you don't need me to tell you that there are mundane horrors out there, as awful as any supernatural ones. But I did want to carry the conversation with Miriam through to the end. There are certain types of cockroaches, known to eat the eyes of human newborns. Microorganisms feasting on their brains doesn't seem that far off. Oh, uh, Dana says we have Miriam back. Hello, Miriam? Hello? It sounds like your grandbaby has stopped crying. Oh. You were going to tell me what happened to your daughter as a baby because of the bugs? I I don't know. And I really should go. I have company coming over for dinner, and this place is a mess. I feel like that probably answers that. For many people, night can be the hardest time of our Earth's 24-hour rotation. That's why I'm especially glad you're tuning in tonight. Maybe we can all make it through this together. Ladies and gents, as the autumn leaves turn and the air snaps back and the darkness creeps earlier and earlier, I am here for you. 
with no further ado, let's take our last call. Hello? Hello, are you there? Can you speak up? I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes I can. How can I help? Oh my, I have no idea where to start. I'm Ada, by the way. I believe in proper introductions. Thank you, Ada. You say you have no idea where to start. If I were to ask you why you called, what do you think would be your reply? I suppose I would say that I wanted to tell my story to somebody who would believe me. Unequivocally and without judgment. I want the world to know my truth before I... Before you... Before I take my own life. Ada, please don't do this. I don't know what you're going through or what has led you to this decision, but maybe I can help you. Just stay on the phone with me? For now, yes. Context is everything. I would say my circumstances are extremely atypical. Okay. Okay. Uh, Just keep talking to me. Sometimes taking a deep breath and engaging in reflection can relieve some of the hopelessness of whatever ails us. You said you didn't know where to start. How about the beginning, then? I don't recall much from the beginning, which makes sense that I wouldn't remember much from before the war. The chemical smell of blood, decomposing flesh, cinders in the air from the soldiers' encampments. My first husband died. Nothing related to battle. He was too old to fight. One of the horses bucked, crushed his sternum in. Harold. Harold the horse did it. I'm so sorry for your loss. Society often tries to impose a timeline for grief, but every person is irreplaceable, and so too every loss involves its own process of introspection and reconciliation. You think I'm calling with him in mind? My first husband wasn't even mediocre. His teeth were rotting, he stank of whiskey, and the only reason I married him was because of the family fortune I stood to inherit, which was then denied me by my villainous mother-in-law. All right. Maybe you're not mourning his loss, but that of somebody else, another loved one. You ought to have used the plural. I've lived so long, it would be suspect if I had only suffered one heartbreak. Can you tell me where you're calling from? At times our environments can be triggering, and you need not use any specific names, but you mentioned a horse. Are you somewhere rural? Ha! New York City, babe. Native New Yorker. Never lived anywhere else all my life. You'd never guess how cheap my rent is. Um, and the horse? Once the cutting edge of technology in the Big Apple. A horse and buggy meant you were elite. Sounds like a load of shit now, doesn't it? Or rather, quite a few loads of shit. Your first husband. You said he died during a war. Which war was this? Why, it was the Civil War, although there was nothing civil about it. It's an oxymoron. Civility and war. May I ask what year you were born in? It's actually my birthday today. I was born in 1818. You do the math. Two centuries ago. The bicentennial woman. Uh, Where are you in New York? Oh, I'm not going to tell you that. Can you get somewhere safe? I'm not asking you to save me. I'm asking you to listen to me. I am listening to you, and I believe you. But there are other options. Did you know that I was a doctor? I attended New York University at the very end of the 19th century. Had to pretend I was a man, but I was quite adept in the art of disguise. 
except there was one man who managed to discover my secret, and he was quite fond of me. I was blackmailed, a marriage in exchange for a secret kept. That was my second husband. He was far worse from the first. All the tropes of an abusive husband and a spiritualist, too. To think of how many seances he made me attend. I thanked whatever higher power may have existed when he was first drafted for the First World War and died of complications relating to Trench Foot. Ada, have you been able to find love as well? Yes, although that wasn't until much later. There was someone I'd planned to love, but they died too soon of the Spanish flu. Then the Great Depression hit and I shacked up with an almost impossibly rotund oil baron, like a ballooned-up version of the Monopoly Man. The Roaring Twenties had emboldened me, and I decided to stop hiding my gender. But I couldn't find a single medical practice that desired my expertise. Hence, the oil baron died from choking on a hunk of bratwurst just as we were defeating the Nazis. Somehow, of my three husbands, I think he was the worst. He was awfully needy for someone who was also so terribly tedious. I don't know that I had a single moment to myself over the 12 years of our marriage. Is there nobody whom you love to keep you here with us? There was Ruth. We met at a protest of the Korean War. She had the most gorgeous smile like when it rains and the sun is out. She was a doctor, too. We formed a practice together, and then we fell in love. It was so simple, so easy. We had two beautiful children, Michael and Jeffrey. Do you not want to live for them? That's the problem with biological immortality. You can't extend the same immunities to others. We lost Michael first, died the day before Rock Hudson. We were only just starting to understand the scope of the AIDS epidemic. Ruth and I, we couldn't believe our son had come and gone so quickly. Twenty-one years old. I'm sorry. Then, Jeffrey. We were so proud of him for becoming a firefighter, for following his dreams. He had met a terrific young woman, too. They were engaged to be married. She worked in the Twin Towers. Never made it out. He was a 9-11 first responder. He lived four more years before dying from thyroid cancer linked to asbestos and other debris in the air that he'd inhaled. And Ruth? Old age. Her body shut down. She passed in her sleep at 92 as I lay beside her, stroking her forehead. Please don't. So much. Live more. Look at a young woman. Look. I'll admit, I have no idea what it's like to live 200 years, to see two centuries come and go. But there still must be something to live for, even if you don't know what that is yet. What if you had died after your third marriage before you met Ruth? Think about all of the love and joys you would have missed out on. Yes, I know, and that's the whole point. I have lived a full life now, longer than anybody else has ever lived before. As far as I can tell... My condition is anomalous. Biological immortality means there is no opportunity for a peaceful death. And I'm satisfied. I've had enough. Ada? Please pick up, please pick up. 
I'm sorry, everybody. I can't seem to get through. Uh, perhaps mortality is a greater blessing than we realized. Perhaps we're not meant to live indefinitely. I hope whatever path Ada chooses brings her peace. We're nearing the end of our time together, listeners. That can only mean one thing. <sighs> it's time to give away those steak knives. Dana's been taking notes on each call tonight, and I've left the decision up to her. She's writing something down. Lucas? Who's Lucas? The baby? What's a baby going to do with steak knives? Really, Dana? Ugh. I ask so little of you. Call his mother, then. I'm sure she'll be thrilled to hear from us. That's all the fight I have in me, beloved listeners. In the words of Edward R. Murrow, good night and good luck. Episode 7 of The Host was written by Rachel Ewing, Rebecca Cates, Matt Rowan, Amy Carver, and Michelle Myers. It was performed by Matt Rowan, Sarah Greenleaf, Victoria Reynoso, Jamie Ferguson, Rachel Ewing, Hannah Martin, Katie Markovich, and Sarah Kenny. With special guest performances by Babies, Robin Ferguson, and Lucas Brown. Music by Steve Metz, created by Amy Carver. If you'd like to contribute, please send us an email at the host pod submissions at gmail.com. Until next time, good night. You both mean so much. Humor me, darling. And you won't hold it again. And you ho- <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> Joyce is coming out. <laughs> Malfunction. Okay. <laughs>